Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Career Move Secrets. Today's guest is Steve Sims. Steve's been called the real wizard of Oz by Forbes magazine and uh, he's also a best-selling author with his book Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. He's a sought-after speaker and it's fair to say he's a very interesting character. Hi Steve, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Where do we find you today, Steve? You're in other parts of the I'm world. Si- yeah, I'm sitting here in Los Angeles, California. So it's early morning, just finished my coffee and very in a chat with you. Fantastic. Well, I obviously have done a bit of digging on you. I find it fascinating. My, my audience will not know your background, which is really, really interesting. Could you give us the sort of the, the potted history? Wow. Um, and it's probably not a lot different from a lot of people. Um, I grew up, uh, I was born in Reading, grew up in uh, Tadley, Basingstoke, those areas, uh, East London. Um, <coughs> left school at the age of 15, straight into my dad's construction firm. So it was one of those kind of like you're 15, 16 years old and you're going, is this it? Is this my entire life? You know, um, and I decided, you know, because bearing in mind, we're from an era where we didn't have Instagram to tell us how inadequate our life was. Um, but there was a gut reaction in me that just went, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something else. So typical entrepreneur jumped out of the frying pan into the volcano, uh, went into a ton of jobs that I was ill-prepared for, ill-qualified, couldn't handle, couldn't do, um, until one, one dark day, um, a friend of mine that I met from school, uh, again, after so many years, told me he was a stockbroker and that there was a trainee stockbroking position in Hong Kong, and they were actually flying a bunch of people out of England to Hong Kong. To, and I thought, yeah, so I was always a make the leap and then worry about it afterwards kind of guy um, because I looked at where I was and I thought, how can it be worse? You know, I've, I've got I've to make the move. Um, so I landed in Hong Kong. I got the job, landed in Hong Kong, lasted one day and was fired. Um, <laughs> So I'm now even in a foreign country, no friends, no family, um, ended up uh, working on the door of a nightclub and then made a conscious decision that I'm doing something wrong because I don't have any people to tell me how to do things right. So I'm a great, you know, we all know the statement, you are the five people that you're around. Mm -hmm. I came up with a little saying in my head that I've always kept, you are the room you're in. And I looked at my room and it was full of broke ass bikers because that's what I was. 
So I started hanging around very awkwardly at the beginning in affluent clubs, bars, restaurants, coffee shops, anything that was like higher than where I could basically afford. That's where I would go in. So I could have like, you know, four beers in this bar. I could only have one beer in this bar, but the surroundings were different. The conversations that were happening, the way people communicated, connected, related with each other was different. And I went out on a journey to try and find how rich people thought, why they were rich, and why I wasn't. And along the way, (coughs) just by helping them get what they needed so that they would stay in communication with me, I ended up launching the world's uh, most well-known experiential concierge firm that sent people down to the Titanic, got them uh, married in the Vatican by the Pope, closed down museums for dinner party of six in Florence, um, and then had Andre Bocelli come in and serenade him during the pasta. I became this guy that basically could... I was the Make-A-Wish Foundation for people with really large checkbooks. Um, (laughs) And I never wanted to be that. I never, ever wanted to do that. All I wanted to do was to grab the engagement of a rich person to go, hey, buddy, I don't mind getting up at 4.30 in the morning. I don't mind going to home you know, at 10 o'clock at night or working 26 hours in a day. So why are you rich and I'm not? Mm. That was the point. And three years ago, I got asked to write a book. Um, again, when you've got a good connections around you, different things happen. Um, ended up writing the book. Didn't think anyone would kind of like really relate to it. I just wanted to put it out there the way I felt and the way I thought we should respond to relationships and how we should change the way we're dealing with each other today. Um, But I was wrong. It took off. And now I'm speaking all over the planet, coaching, training. Um, Don't work at the concierge firm at the morning. At the moment, I really just focus on getting entrepreneurs, startups, and people that are aggravated to create pearls. That's it. It's a, I, I, there's some very odd things that have happened in there as well. I, I, I keep seeing references when I, when I was doing my research. It's, it's you know, Sir Elton John. You, you, I see pictures of you with Elon Musk. You know, people, the real sort of zeitgeist type, type people of the, of the moment. In fact, I was watching um, in my research, I was watching you do a podcast. You're, you were being interviewed by Jay Abraham. And Jay Abraham's quite a big noise, isn't it? You know, on, 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 uh, you know, I think he is, and he's very good actually. You know, I, I'm into all those sort of sales marketing guys that, that sort of speak there. They're interesting with them. And he, he was, he was obviously interviewing you. And some of the things that was, that were going through my mind when I was seeing that is you've got this propensity to think big and to try and chase that big piece. And I'm constantly on, on, on the podcast talking to people who are trying to make the career move to the next level. And I, I find that people are reluctant to think big or, or certainly reluctant to do much about it. You know, they, they tend to, they tend to frankly let their career happen to them, uh, in my experience, or at least let somebody else take charge of when they're going to move to the next level. Someone like me, I'm a, a headhunter by day. So I'm speaking to lots of people and giving them opportunities, but I'm always thinking, I wonder why they're not trying a bit harder to get to that next level. You've obviously done that in your career and you're helping others do it. What would you say to, to, to job seekers who are out there wanting to, to, to get to the next level, but not quite doing anything about it? So that's actually a very, very deep, dark question you've actually just asked. Um, because let's first of all understand that the playing field that we're in, we're terrified today to communicate. Mm. We're terrified to actually tell you what we think. We today 
are living in a transactional society. It's nothing unusual for us to bark an order at Alexa or Siri or demand your kitchen rolls from Amazon or, or any of these like food services. We've become into a transactional society with no relationship, mm. you know? Think about Amazon. You know, when was the last time you phoned up Amazon and went, hey, I'm thinking of getting a different brand of toilet roll. Which one shall I get? There's no number. Mm. You can't have a relationship with, uh, with Amazon. So we're in a transactional society. That's the first thing. Second thing, understand that since like about 20 years ago with the, with the invention of social media, our ability to communicate has died. Mm. Now, me and you are both from an era that, you know, if you, had a, if you had something happen to you at work, you phoned your mates and you went down to the pub. If there was a new baby, you know, you told all your friends or you sent pictures or you told them to come around. Now something happens in your life, you post it on Facebook and wait for people to make a lovely comment. Mm. And you're upset if they don't. So we're outsourcing our ability to communicate. Now, third layer, we're terrified to say anything until, unless it's taken out of context. There's so much going on in our world at the moment. We're sitting there going, crap, what did I wear to a fancy dress party in 1997 that could possibly get resurfaced and I could get yelled at for being ignorant at the time? Okay, so we're terrified. Add all of that fear to the fact, especially during COVID, that we're out of practice on how to communicate. It's a troublesome time. Now, we go for what we think is achievable. You said to me about go for things that are big. I want to just correct you a little bit there. And it's a shallow plug uh, for my next book, which I haven't even finished writing yet. So God knows when that bloody thing will see the light of day. But we've started writing a book, Go For Stupid, because I realized I never cared what you thought. I never cared what was achievable, because how do I know what's achievable unless I go for it? And Elon Musk once said to me, they laugh at you just before they applaud. And I thought to myself, that's great. So I brought up to you about the, uh, the, the museum in Florence. I had a client that wanted to have a dining experience in Florence. I could have got him a fantastic table, slipped the waiter and the chef a few hundred bucks, and the chef comes out and makes him feel all special. But I wanted to see how stupid I could make this. I ended up taking over the Academia de Galleria that houses Michelangelo's David, stuck a, a table of six at the feet of this iconic statue, and then for dinner entertainment, I had Andrea Bocelli come in. Now, if I had told you I was going to do that, you'd be like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. Are you stupid? And that's exactly what I went for. I wanted to go for something that was uh, just ridiculous, never impossible. I wanted to go for something ridiculous. Now, let's say for argument's sake, I had failed on any of those levels. What I would have achieved would have still been far more than what I had got if I'd gone for something that I, in air quotes, commonly knew I could achieve. So we're terrified. We look at our goals and we go, well, what, what could I go for? What's achieved? Stop. It's your life. You don't know what you're capable of until you're put in a position of being uncomfortable. So I want you to think, okay, not, oh, I want to go for a new job. What could I get? Mm. What's ridiculous? What's stupid? What would actually make everyone else around you go, are you nuts? Go for that. So my, my wife says that I have a superpower, and it's <laughs> the superpower of ignorance. I don't care 
And if you think about all the great people out there, and I'm not trying to sum myself up in there, but do you think Steve Jobs mm. cared what you thought of him? Do you think Elon Musk cares what you think about him? Do you think uh, Mark Zuckerberg cares what you think mm. of him? Warren Buffett, you know, Bill Gates, none of these people care because they fo they're focused on the impact and they're focused on being a solution to your problem, okay? All the time they focus on that, they don't care about you tweeting about, oh, Steve Jobs, you know, he's a narcissist, he's weird, he always wears the same polar neck. He doesn't care. Mm. <laughs> he absolutely doesn't care. Elon Musk, oh, look at his uh, truck, you know, the window broke when, when the stone went through. Oh, silly man, silly man. Mm. Sold out in the same night. He doesn't, he does not care. So I want people out there to stop worrying about what your mates are going to say in the pub about what you're going for. Because nine times out of 10, the mates that you've got in the pub, and I don't want to diss it, but how many times do you see people asking for advice from people that have no credibility or education to give you that advice? You know, you're in the pub going, oh, I just sold my car, I got 10,000, don't know how to invest it. And you get this guy, Tommy, that's been on the bar stool for the last 50 years of his life, go, well, you know, I know a, I know a couple mm. of great ideas for you. You know, if you knew what he was talking about, he wouldn't be on that bar stool. So stop focusing on and yourself. How do they do that? Because you've it. obviously, you, you've achieved this, uh, uh, this ability to, to make unusual things happen and to get to people who are in decision-making positions, whether they're in the, in the role where they can make a decision on granting your, your unusual request or whether they're a, you know, very serious uh, entrepreneur running a big company and it's very hard to get their time as well. I think a lot of, you know, job seekers are in a similar position that I, I completely agree with what you're saying about the disconnection. I, I talk about the online world of, um, of job seeking and where you find a job online and you just literally click apply, you send your LinkedIn resume or your, your CV across and you think you've done, you've done a, a job application. And, and really, you know, what you've just done is thrown your CV into the black hole of the internet. You don't know whether it's going to arrive there or not. Um, and you sit around waiting for the next few weeks to hoping that somebody's going to respond to you. And I'm, I want people to be more, more, much more proactive and actually get to decision makers because <clears throat> You and I are from that generation where if you, that's that's what you did and that's what you were trained to do. If you were in any sort of sales role ever, you it, it's get to a decision maker and try and have a conversation, try and put that 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 argument forward. How do you do it in this modern world? Because I think most people are just sending emails. Again, brilliant question. It ain't your first show. That's obvious. So congratulations on that. I needed to get in touch with powerful, connected people that could move the needle for me, whether it be the person that could let me have the museum, whether it be the person that would introduce me to Elon Musk, whether it be the person that it would introduce me to the Elton John AIDS Foundation. I always needed to find some way or some way in. Going through the front door, as you say, like the resume, usually the worst thing to do because there's a lineup and a crowd of people in front of you if you ever mm. get through, okay? But the internet has made a couple of things easier for you. So every time I've needed to get in touch with someone, it's never been by chance. Okay. So what you do is you Google it. If you're, if you're going for a job, find out the people within that career that you want to actually uh, communicate with and you want to connect with. And you want to ask yourself, first of all, 
Do they have the power to say yes? Okay. So don't bother making friends with, you know, the coffee boy. You know, I'm not being disrespectful to the coffee boy, but, you know, he can't employ her. He doesn't have the ability to say yes. So find out, first of all, in the group, the company, the industry that you're trying to get into, who can say yes. And then quite simply, and this may sound absurd, Google them. Go onto Facebook, LinkedIn, look them up. Look at the pictures they've got. Now, if you see that, you know, the person you're going to get and get a job with, you know, there's all pictures of horses, you know he's into it or she's into equestrian sport. If you know that they're over here and there's pictures of Porsches, you know they're into exotic cars. Now, here's the mistake a lot of people do. They try to buy expensive gifts to impress the people that they're going to see. No. Go cheap and go impactful. I saw a guy that I was trying to get involved with that could connect me with Sir Elton John, okay? I read an article on the guy once about how he collected shoes, okay? He was a fan of handmade shoes, and there was some article that I read about how, you know, he had these people that would get this leather from Italy, and they would make them in, in Paris, and he would go out, and it was a wonderful experience. And he went on waxing lyrically about this shoe experience. Since 9-11, we can't take anything metal through no. a airport, can we? Okay. So I found the guy that I wanted to do business with, and I sent him an engraved with his name, Horn Shoe, shoe Tree, a little shoe um, uh, yes. iron thing to put your shoes on. Okay. I sent it to him. It was engraved. It cost me a grand total of, I think, like nine bucks. And I said, look, I want to be having a conversation with you. But before that conversation, I read on somewhere that you, you love shoes. I've noticed whenever I travel, your feet swell up in the air. Uh, you take your shoes off. Then you try and put your shoes off in a cramped little environment. And we can't take those metal shoehorns on there anymore. Here's one so you won't uh, ruin those beautiful shoes again. Yeah, it's perfect. I had another guy that collected sneakers. So I sent him a sneaker Perfect. cleaning kit. Another person, and this one's really cheap, really, really cheap. And you'll love this one. Magazine subscriptions. Mm. Magazines are going bankrupt. Okay. <clears throat> you can get a year's magazine subscription now for 10 quid. Okay. So if the guy likes exotic cars, sign him up. You know the office address. Sign him up. For a subscription, every quarter, he's going to get that magazine. Mm. He's going to think of you, okay? You're putting yourself out, and you can contact him and go, hey, I've just applied in the black hole of job applications for an upcoming position you've got, but I did notice while doing my research, because bear in mind, if you're going to employ someone, don't you want to employ yes, someone that do. thinks on their own feet? So you're demonstrating that you are a solution to someone's problem. Hey, while doing my research, I noticed you're into exotic cars. By the way, I have subscribed you to this magazine. I think you'll get your first copy in a few weeks, but I just wanted to let you know that when it arrives, yours truly sent it. Look forward to seeing you on the other side of the desk. You know, just show that you care and you've got it's the that human kind of touch, isn't it? It's, it's, it's networking, but with the human touch. And, and funny enough, I had Bob Berg on the show um, a, a couple of shows ago, and he was he was all about that. He was all about he he wrote the the Go Giver series and and uh, all of this sort of stuff. And it, it's he's a lovely guy, Bob. 
it's all about giving for him, but it's all about being a human being. And by doing that, you develop relationships that are deeper and better than, than, than most everybody else. There's a bit of a calmer aspect to it as well. But I, I completely agree with you. You know, if you, if you sit back and just let the machine um, be the instrument of communication between you and another person, you're just everyone else. If you do something, if you step out of that, do something mm. different, you know, particularly if you, if you, um, if you show that you've taken a genuine interest in that other human being on a human level, you know, and you don't need to, to shower them with, you know, expensive gifts, but if you can do something thoughtful, it just, it just makes you, uh, makes you stand out massively. That is a very, very good idea. Mm. Well, keep it cheap, keep it cheap and keep it impactful. And again, we've already, we've already clarified that the world of communication and connection is mm. getting weaker and worse. So when you do step out and yeah. do something like that, it, it's like a, a mammoth step and people are like, whoa, it, they really care. They, they really take it. It's amazing. Another guy I had on the podcast was a guy called Dave Shimmons and Dave's, Dave's the, the, the CEO of a company called Ricardo. They're the guys that make the, um, the engine for the McLarens, you know, uh, and it's a very big company. It's like, 400 million pound business. And he's a lovely guy, really personable. And when I was talking to him about, I said, how often, Dave, do, do people that want to work for your business, because quite a few people are interested, people who are interested in cars are quite interested in Ricardo. Um, when, how often do they come forward to you personally? It, incredibly infrequently, he says. And yet every single one from, you know, the most junior person to the most senior, he will respond to. And, and it's something I ask all the CEOs, how often do you get approached personally about an opportunity for the inside track to have a conversation? It's incredibly infrequent because people are too polite or too programmed, pre-programmed not to do that. And actually it's your best route just to, just to be another human being and say, I'm very interested in you and your business and here's how I demonstrate that I am because I know this and I know that and you know the other. I'd really like you to help me by giving me a moment of your time. And I think people respond incredibly well to that. Even the most, you know, senior and, you know, time poor people seem to do it. So we were speaking earlier about, um, he's actually a neighbor of mine yes. just down the road, Jay Abraham. Um, and Jay Abraham we joked because you said that on my website um, you saw an mm. interview with me and Jay Abraham. Um, if I yeah, can, I give say. a shallow plug to that interview. Right, okay, stevedsims.com. You can see the interview. But the funny thing that you, you're not aware of is I didn't know who Jay was really? when yeah. I met him. So me, yeah, me and Jay became friends <clears throat> for about three years until I was at an entrepreneurs event and he turned up as the headliner. And I was like, what are you doing here, fella? And he was like, I'm the keynote. And I'm like, what are you going to talk about? You know, I had no, I just knew him as a really nice guy. I didn't know he was the iconic Jay Abraham. Um, but even though he's an older fella now, one of the things that he always said, and that's why any of his books are really, they really are good. Really I've good. got to give him a plug for that. He always says, we've got to bring the yeah. 80s and 90s back. We've got to bring back the era where if you wanted something, you knocked on the door and you spoke to the person, you communicated with the person. I had a, a, a I'm going to go back to my Florence story that I mentioned to you. Um, 
they gave me, once it was all approved that I could have all of this, they gave me a curator of the museum that would be there to open up the doors and to help it go through smoothly. So I said to him, so tell me, Sonny, how come I managed to pull it off? Do you know, I was expecting him to say something like, well, no one's as connected as you, you know, you know, powerful people. I was expecting something like that. He turned around to me and he went, no one's ever asked. The bottom line of it is, we are scared, terrified, petrified to ask. Mm. Now, if it's important to you, ask. But ask with a solution. Ask with an asset. I'm going to give you another little metaphor that I can hope get people in the right mindset, if I may. Mm. And I'll play a little game with you here, Tony. Um, I'm in Los Angeles, and I've got a party on Saturday, dinner party, okay? And I say to you, hey, come to my dinner party, and you're in town, and you go, yeah, I'm coming along. What's the first question you ask me? What time? Where, I guess? Who's okay. coming? Who's coming? People might ask. I wouldn't, but but okay. what time and where? Yeah. What, what time? What should I bring? Where? Why was it the fourth question you asked was one to benefit me? Yes, that's a good question. Yeah, normally it would be. Now, here's what? the funny thing. <laughs> if you ask your wife that, she'll get it right first yeah, time. Yeah, she would. I don't she know would. why. The ladies are good, but the guys are always like, who's going to be there? Who am I going to meet? Can I bring a mate? You know, where's it going to be? What should I wear? Now, mm. these are all questions that help you come to my party. But if you ask the ladies, they'll go, Thank you very much. What can I bring? Mm. You know? It's true. Think about that when you're going for your job. You're not applying for a job, my friends. You're providing a solution to that problem. They need, understand, they need you. I run a media company, and people try to get media all the time, and they're like, oh, please give me media. Please give me an article. Media companies, they need you. Otherwise, papers that have nothing to talk about. So understand, if you're going for a job, it's because they need someone to solve a problem. If you can demonstrate that you are not an applicant, that you are a solution, ask yourself, when I show up, what can I bring to the party? Do a little bit of homework before you get there and say, hey, I realize you're a 400-year-old company, and that's been good. How's it doing for you now? And what problems are you seeing with the new market? And how can I help that? Show up as a solution. I think that's perfect. And what a great place at which to end. Steve, that's that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Is, is there anything that you want to plug or anything that you you want to mention? Oh, Struth, um, not really. SteveDSims.com. There's one M in Sims. You can see the video there of uh, when I did my launch, my book launch party in a Hollywood whiskey bar. And you can see the interview with me and Jay Abraham. But you can follow me on Instagram at SteveDSims.com. Or if you're on Facebook, I have a free Facebook group called An Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims. Perfect. Excellent. Cheers, Steve. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, Steve's quite a character, isn't he? And he has made a career out of making things happen. If you're looking to make a career move, I would suggest that you try and make it happen for yourself by taking a, a leaf out of Steve's book there and making an approach to a decision maker that can actually affect your career. 
um, use some of the tactics that he suggests to get in front of people, start that conversation, which you you know can genuinely lead to a, a great opportunity, rather than going down the route that everyone else is of simply search, click, and apply online, which you know your your odds are two hundred and fifty to one. If you're going through that process at the moment, you are trying to apply and you want to make a, a better fist of it. Please do go to my site careermovesecrets.com. On there, you'll find my ATS beating applicant tracking system beating uh, resume masterclass, which I think could really help, and it's a free a free resource. Uh, if you're enjoying these podcasts, continue listening, continue subscribing, because there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,